What's going on, guys? This is the True Pursuit Podcast, where your three guys, Ravi, Rishi, and Mitz, highlight immigrant success stories from across the business world, sharing their journeys and experiences. So today we're going to be talking about a guy who was one of the first or early joiners at Facebook and really transformed them to be a billion dollar company. And also a man who set up a company called Social Capital in 2011, an investment firm that most recently posted a 997% internal rate of return from its inception. So Mitz, who are we talking about today? Chamat. Palehapitiya, and I apologize if I've completely butchered that name, but he is the CEO of a investment fund, Social Capital. Uh, so he was born September the 3rd, 1975 and in Sri Lanka, and he moved to Canada, uh, Ottawa, at the age of six. So they moved because of his dad, uh, Gamage's job. He uh, was an official for the Sri Lankan High Commission, and they posted him to Ottawa. But when it came back to go to, back to, go to, back to Sri Lanka, he uh, applied to seek refuge at Canada because... He was actually, uh, he had to make some enemies out in Sri Lanka with his outspokenness about the needless violence on, on both sides of the civil war that was erupting at that time there. So they basically then, they, they made their move to Canada permanent. So, but he was con- constantly in and out of uh, employment. Um, Chamat's uh, mother was a housekeeper and then a nurse aide. Uh, and they lived on welfare and slept on, kind of like all slept on the same mattress in the living room of, of their apartment that they, um, that they lived in. So obviously living in living in this kind of uh, uh, area and welfare, he attended Lisgar Collegiate Institute while working part time to assist his family and graduated at the age of 17. Uh, and after graduating at the age of 17, he then went to University of Waterloo in 99 and then um, passed with a first class degree in electrical engineering. Um, after after getting his degree, he worked for a year as a derivatives trader at an investment bank. Um, and then he moved to California to be with his then girlfriend. Um, and then they later married, but then a couple of years ago, they actually filed for divorce. So, so he obviously you knows fairly clever, a der- derivatives trader, uh, probably earning a fair bit of money. Um, jumping on a little bit, he actually then became uh, the youngest vice president ever of AOL. So, you know, the, uh, the infamous AOL uh, company. And uh, he actually was working on their instant messaging division in about 2004. He then, in 2005, he then left AOL and joined uh, Mayfield Fund. So, you know, again, like a kind of investment investment fund. Um, but then he only lasted that job for a few months and he joined uh, Facebook, which actually probably was only about a year old by the time um, by the time uh, he joined. So fa- Facebook was very, very new. So, so wow. he went from investment firm to tech firm, back to investment firm and then back to tech fund. I mean, t- tech firm after that, right? It's kind of crazy because it's like he, he got a glimpse of his investment life early on and then he's like, ah, I didn't really, maybe didn't enjoy it, maybe saw opportunity elsewhere, kind of jumped to, to tech firm AOL at the time, which was big. And then he switches back into this um, Mayfield fund and then back onto Facebook. So it's, it's kind of an interesting journey. Not many people go from investment to tech to investment to tech. It's usually they make that leap and then they stick there. But, but I think what it shows is that, and, and we'll find out a bit more as the podcast goes along, that he he knew what his passion was, he knew what he enjoyed, and at the end of it, he kind of made that his job. Because um, obviously, going back into these investment funds and firms, he was obviously he obviously enjoyed it. it. 
it, you know, it takes a certain type of person to 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 enjoy uh, that kind of investment and trading and stuff like that. But he kept he kept fleeting in and out of it, like you say, Rishi. So he's obviously had some sort of passion or some sort of drive or enjoyment behind it, which which then he basically made his full time career. So while he was at Facebook, um, so he was he was more involved in trying to increase their in trying to increase its user base, and um, he's at he's at his net worth by the age of thirty four was actually one billion dollars. By the age of thirty-four, so one billion dollars. So, so now he is the CEO of uh, Social Capital. So, it's an investment firm that he founded, and like I was just saying, that you know he went from investment to tech to investment to tech. So he kind of knew where uh, the low-hanging fruit was, but then now he, he kind of landed an investment, which is his own company, CEO and founder. So, really, really following his his uh, what it looks like is really following his passion there. One. Uh, Interesting thing I did find, I just want to quickly touch upon when, while he was at Facebook, and I just said that kind of, you know, he was there trying to increase it, increase its user base. But he actually met Mark Zuckerberg while he was at AOL. Um, so AOL did a, a small deal with Facebook that linked the AOL Instant Messenger to the Facebook to Facebook's website. Um, but what is, is kind of known that the actually the biggest deal that came out of that was that Chamat met Mark Zuckerberg as opposed to AOL um, partnering up with Facebook. Uh, so every couple of months or so, the two would get together, uh, and then inevitably the idea arose that you know, Chamat, you know, you're obviously quite good. Why don't you join Facebook? But he he actually was a bit of a flop in his first few months at Facebook. Um, he was he was uh, kind of more associated with a, an ag targeting system called Beacon, uh, which actually was probably one of the most the company's probably the, one of the most traumatic moments of the company. It just it just didn't work. Um, it just it just depended on users having a specific app installed on their phone and you know privacy issues and, and stuff like that it just it just was a complete failure and he actually told zuckerberg look if i were you i would actually i would fire me can does any does anyone here have the would you go up to your boss and be like look i made a mistake you know i'd, I'd, I'd actually fire, fire me if i had the chance i mean i guess if you're uh you know you've got enough that enough money in the bank at this point i mean clearly even before he he joined at facebook right he's obviously putting aside investments in the tech world. He's in Silicon Valley. I mean, AOL, he's already right there. This is the, the prime time of the tech boom. But um, no, it's pretty pretty audacious to, to go and say that. All right, so, so that's a good point. And, and that takes us to the next um, piece of this uh, piece of his story. So success in his life through, through business. Um, so, so he didn't start with much, but had everything to gain. So one of the, the videos I, I came across when he was talking was his personal opinion was that it's a, it's a good position to be. You're more inclined to take risks. Uh, you, you're willing to, to lose the little that you have at that point. Um, and, and in addition to that, he, he felt that he joined the industries he did at the, at the time where there was a lot more opportunity than there is maybe today. So just to give you a couple of examples on that, for example, he started with um, he started with Facebook at a time where tech was really picking up. Uh, he started social capital at a time where uh, tech investments were growing. Right. So if we look back ten years from today, you know, tech investments at that time was a, was a hot market. Many people saw it coming, but people didn't know what to invest into. So in Chamat's career and in investment, he talks a lot about understanding the product value and consumer behavior. And this is where he's found success at scaling, at growing, growing uh, tech, tech um, platforms, growing his, his fund. 
Um, for example, at Facebook, he, he took them on a path to 1 billion users. And he used simple value-adding strategies. For example, he used the importing contacts onto Facebook product. Um, so if you guys, if you've ever come across it on LinkedIn or, or Facebook, it's where you enter your email address in and you say, I want to send all these people on my contact list an invite for Facebook or for LinkedIn. And he used small techniques like this um, where where they were able to to scale very quickly and it it brought that aha moment where they started to realize that consumers are catching on and and this success um in growth has been more has been exponential in comparison to other techniques that they've used and they've focused more on those and over a period of time um in in terms of uh investments so he's he started up his fund social capital, but when he's looking at investments, he's also looking at, again, understanding the product value and, and consumer behavior. And investments he's invested into are Slack, Wealthfront, SurveyMonkey. You guys have probably used um, Slack or SurveyMonkey at least. Using it right now. Yeah, yep. use it all the time. And some of the companies he's invested into um, have uh, been acquired by Microsoft, by Dropbox, and the likes. So over to I just want to yeah, so just want to touch on on two points there, uh, Rich, that you made. So his simple value adding uh, adding strategies. So you know the people you may know aspect of Facebook. So actually, that was that was his that was his idea. It was done by LinkedIn first, sorry, but then he kind of brought it to Facebook and just made it a lot, a lot better. So people you may know, which is like some weird algorithm that somehow you you know knows who you who you potentially could be friends with. And there was a little bit of some a little bit of controversy at the beginning. Apparently, like psychiatrist patients were getting told that they should know each other and add each other on Facebook. Um, oh, yeah, wow. which is That's pretty crazy. I think one of the one of the craziest ones I read was that. Um, uh, a dad who didn't know his son basically was like a donor got told that he should um basically oh people you may know and it was actually was his biological son look at that <laughs> facebook bringing families together wow so, so so that that actually took facebook from 90 million users to 500 million active monthly users <laughs> that people you may know well just all those like lost brothers and fathers just being reconnected just being reconnected <laughs> Uh, and and then just touching on your uh, investment side, Rishi. So again, like so, while he was at Facebook, so this is not even with his investment firm. While he was at Facebook, he uh, invested in a company called Playdom, which was bought by the Walt Disney Company for seven hundred and sixty-three million dollars. And he invested in a company called Bump Top, which was bought by Google for thirty million dollars. So even while he was at Facebook, he again still had that passion inside of him for investments, yeah. and, and and created a lot of money, um, created a lot of money there, but. Then he, then he obviously went into his uh, social capital. Um, so, uh, Rav, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, social capital and what he's up to today? Yeah, so there was a lot of interesting articles around when he was at Facebook, how he was getting frustrated with um, you know, a lot of his investments on the side. Companies weren't doing exactly what he had in his vision. And then when he sort of got into the investment round or investment funding space, you know, he felt that until he was the CEO of an investment firm, he wasn't really making the decisions. All he could do was spend hours and hours trying to convince somebody else to make an investment. So, you know, getting frustrated, he started Social Capital um, and they now manage, as for 2018 at least, uh, over 1.2 billion in assets. And I'm sure there's much more. Um, I did check the website if they are open to new investors. Sadly, they are closed at the moment. Um, but I, uh, what was interesting about them is that they've, 
invested in various tech startups, uh, seed funding, venture capital, and private equity um, all over the, the shop, really. But looking at their 2019 report, they reported a 32.9% average annual rate of return from 2011 to 2019, which is absurd. Um, you know, compared to the S&P 500, which has still had, you know, a soaring 10 years or so, minus uh, recent times due to COVID, um, S&P was 15%. So, you know, doing some quick math for, you know, our listeners here, 50,000 back in 2011 is now worth almost 550,000 um, if you had funds invested with his, with his firm, um, which is fascinating. But bringing it down to even more what's up to today with COVID, um, obviously, you know, within the US and globally, a lot of businesses have, have suffered. And a lot of the news articles has been around um, bailouts, right, and companies going bankrupt. Um, a lot of the conversations were, and there was an infamous uh, rant of Chamath, uh, which was on CNBC on April 9th around um, airlines not deserving a bailout from the US government, um, you know, despite the pandemic shutting down the business travel. And, and he basically just took straight aim at the folks running the hedge funds, blaming them for um, corporate insecurity, bad, you know, financial management. Um, et cetera, et cetera, not, you know, not being able to weather a, a crisis in the first place. Um, but what was interesting is, and I'm going to quote from what he said, the people that get wet, wiped out are the speculators that own the unsecured tranches of debt or the folks that own the equity, he stressed. And by the way, those are the rules of the game. That's right, because these people who purpose or purport to be the most sophisticated investors in the world, they deserve to get wiped out. You know, and then the uh, the news the news responder at this point is you know face dropped, you know pure silence, uh, and then he, you know Chamath chimes back in again and says, you know, who are we talking about? We're talking about a hedge fund that serves a bunch of billionaire family offices. Who cares? Let them get wiped out. Who cares? Right. You know, they don't get summer in the Hamptons. Who cares? I mean, <laughs> he just and the rant goes on, and you know, folks on on our listeners definitely have a look on YouTube. It's actually infamous, and you know, it's stopped daytime television. And it's, but it's, it's, actually, it's a it's a good point. I, I think uh, if you think about it in a different way, right? As consumers, we we purchase a house, a property. We have a mortgage behind us. If we don't make those payments, we lose our house, right? In the same way, a business should be, you know, having some sort of uh, backup fund where you know they got six months, twelve months worth of savings where they can put it to, put aside and say, hey, if if we do have a some some bad times, we're we're covered, and that's how you know we as consumers are taught. So why shouldn't business um, be taught the same way, or why shouldn't business act the same way? No, it's very that, true. Yeah, that's that's very I, true. Say, I think I think that again, that's very true. But he's obviously he is a billionaire in terms of he he. People will be looking at me like, what you are one of the billionaire families. You are probably one of the people that wants to go on holiday to the Hamptons. So it's quite interesting that he obviously thinks thinks like that. They should get wiped out because he knows, like you just said, Rishi, that he probably has his reserve of exactly. like, yeah, he probably he's probably thought about that. Like, I I, I have my reserve, so you know, I'm I, I might not I might not I might not need I might not get the income at the moment, but I have my reserve, so I don't need a bailout. But so that's probably why he's thinking, which is you know fairly smart. He also does raise a valid question, which is, you know, often when these companies file for bankruptcy, it doesn't actually mean that these companies are completely being dissolved, right? right. It actually means, well, the debt's being restructured, or as Chamath mentioned, yes, the hedge funds or, you know, these billionaires living in the Hamptons lose their money, 
Um, but the, the company get restructured, sold off, and then they, they can get revitalized. You know, I'm not saying that the jobs aren't important here, but it does raise a very valid question, which is, like you say, Rishi, don't pay your mortgage. You know, you don't get a bailout from the government anytime soon, right? Or, I mean, within the US, there's a stimulus check that's been given out, but uh, for the businesses around uh, the US, including Shake Shack, they've been given millions, right, of course. Um, so, you know, something to also keep in mind is and I pulled this stat up just while we were having this conversation, which was, you know, back in 2018, and I'm sure the stat is even more now, 10% of American households um, own over 85% of all stocks in the market. So, wow. you know, the 10% richest Americans. So let's be clear, when, when the stock market's going down, it's not really impacting the average householder. It's impacting uh, the top richest 10% really. Um, you know, we tend to focus a lot about that on the news. That So that's crazy. So 10% own 85%. But again, on the flip side, when the stock market's going up, uh, it, you know, it, it, you know it, they're, they're kind of filling their pockets. But um, but yeah, 10% own 85%, which is nuts. Yeah, and look, the Chamath is a, is a, is a full-on investor here, right? And I think uh, moving on from COVID, he's obviously a very ruthless businessman. You know, he's obviously prioritized work over everything. He he clearly is a shrewd investor. Um, and actually, post-COVID, he's continuing with social capital. But he's also um, just going through his Instagram, sorry, his Twitter. Um, on July 18th, he posted something very interesting. He's got a new passion, and he has multiple um, projects. But he basically pre-tweeted this. Are you interested in decarbonization, sustainability, and climate change and want to do something about it? The next tweet was this. In seven pages or less, single-spaced, propose a framework we can use to buy and build technologies, companies, and products that result in a holding company, which can more meaningfully advance the efforts of decarbonization, climate change, and sustainability. He's literally crowdsourcing a framework to start up an entirely new investment firm. I feel like he's got a sense of Elon Musk about him in terms of like, it's just a little bit crazy, but, but this is like probably like hella smart in terms of like, like Rishi said, get all this information from, you know, someone probably a little bit more knowledgeable in that area. Um, but then he knows he's got the backing and the contacts to kind of do something about it. I mean, here's the craziest thing, guys, right? I mean, how many people do you think uh, entered or sent it to him? No I idea. Think, yeah, I would think not many. Not me. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know what his following is like, but um. Because keep in mind what he's asking for, right? He's asking for a full-on investment framework. Right. This isn't just like a school, you know, twelve-year-old PowerPoint deck or something to say, you know, I like to do this. He's asking for a full-on qualitative and quantitative framework. But he received nine hundred and ten submissions what? that followed the guidelines by August second. Damn. Nine hundred and ten people applied, essentially to get that's one shot where he would invest. Um, in your ideas, and you'd become a partner with Chamath, which, to be fair, would be an incredible opportunity. And we'll be closely following this, but now he's picking the top three by November 1st. And January 1st, as per his tweet on August 2nd, he will be commencing uh, the mobilization of the of this sort of uh, framework. That's that's actually not bad, though, right? 900 to 1, right, is, is your odds to, to get chosen. Whereas if you want to go on to let's, Apprentice... Let's get a framework in. Let's go apply real quick. You, can we, let's go do something. You got to make sure it's in uh, single space prose. I love how that was a <laughs> that was a prerequisite. Seven pages or less in single space prose. <laughs> can you imagine if you had the best idea, but it was double spaced? Again, he was like, "Nah, sorry, <laughs> sorry." Chuck it. But he is like Musk. He's a little bit crazy, but obviously um, he is a revolutionist, and I think he's 
he's definitely um, pushing the boundaries, I think, of in terms of what is possible, for sure. And, and again, going back to it, following his passions, he's, he, he owns an investment fund. Obviously, he's now his new passion is sustainability, climate change, what can we do to make the world a better place type thing. And um, he, now he knows he's got the backing, he's got the money, and he's, again, following that. Uh, potentially, like, like Ravi said, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it, potentially, to make it, you know, world-changing in terms of... Uh, in terms of his decarbonization project. Yep. And kudos to him. But in terms of like guys, and I think, look, there's this, Chamath is a fantastic individual showing, you know, he came from very humble beginnings and he's just given everything he has to, to go through Silicon Valley and make shrewd investments. He's obviously a very smart individual. Um, but I was looking for some interesting statements that he's made in the media and I thought this was quite timely um, and a very nice way to end, I think. Um, this was his quote. So he said, Today we live in a world now where it is easy to confuse truth and popularity. And you can use money to amplify whatever you believe in and get people to believe what is popular is now truthful. And what is not popular may not be truthful. Interesting thought. But guys, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. This has been the True Pursuit Podcast with your three guys, Ravi, Rishi and Mitz, signing out.